Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Hello, today I am so happy to have on the show William Stigevers. I've never had an astrologist on the show before, and I am so excited about this. After I had a session with William, it just kind of, or not kind of, it blew my mind. And I've always been very interested in this work, so I'm really excited. William actually, in his past life, um, and still is a classical musician, and also he um, went to school for computer science, and then he got into astrology, and he's going to tell you a little bit about how that happened. He has vast knowledge of both real-world circumstances and spiritual truths. William counsels his clients with expertise few astrologers have on the economy even and how it affects the client, psychology, the subconscious, and the psyche, metaphysical and transpersonal growth, and effective strategy according to the client's natal chart, transits, and economic environment. Welcome to the program, William. Thank you, Marla, for having me today. It's a real pleasure. You're welcome. So you have such an amazing background, and, and I'd like for you to just tell us a little bit how you found your way into astrology. Yeah, well, that story goes back to the mid-1980s when I was attending Temple University for classical music performance training in the um, conservatory. They have a conservatory at Temple University, and the faculty of the Philadelphia Orchestra is uh, a majority of the teaching faculty at the university, at the School of Music. And at the time, I was uh, seriously pursuing a career in music for the outcome of playing in an orchestra, studying with the principal clarinetist of the Philadelphia Orchestra. And at around 19, I believe the winter break of 85, 86, winter break, January 1986, I had a good friend who insisted that I go see an astrologer that he got a couple of readings for and that this astrologer made certain predictions and many of these predictions were coming to pass. And uh, I was, he was actually living in New York and I was on Christmas break. I went back home to Long Island. It was a few days after New Year's and I uh, stopped by his house after the phone call and said, all right, what do you got here? He played the tape recording. Remember those cassette tapes? Yes, I do. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and he played that back and it was sounded very interesting. And he was talking about his relationship with his father, his family, uh, the psychological um, environment he grew up in and how that informed and influenced his decision making. And I found it very fascinating, but more, but more fascinating was the fact that many of the predictions he made, and this obviously was 
um, something, a reading that he had done with this astrologer in the summer, right? So about six months have transpired and many of the predictions were coming to pass. And, and I just found out even more compelling and fascinating. So I was very excited when he told me he looked, he could squeeze me in. He, he would insist that I go and go to this astrology. Uh, he would squeeze me in and, and, and sacrifice half of his allocated time so this astrologer could read my chart. And because this astrologer had like a six month uh, waiting list, wow. right? And his name was Robert Cook in Cold Spring, Cold, uh, Cold Spring, Cold Spring Harbor, Long Island. It's been a while. <laughs> my memory <laughs> banks are getting rusty there. So um, I went to the reading. It was early in the morning, very early in the morning. And, um, you know, really cold weather, snow and you know, he insists that you really need to get this reading. So he went in and got his half of the reading. And then he told me to come in and I gave the astrologer the birth data and he popped it into this little device, uh, which was back then in the eighties, a computer, a little mini computer. And I'll pop this really strange looking set of symbols on a dot matrix printer. And, uh, and then he went into, uh, he went into my life and he went into, you know, he did over 30 minutes. He was very, um, he went into a, a very in-depth overview of my life up to that point. And then he said, you're going to actually shift careers. And I said, really? And he, I said, you mean I'm not going to be a world-class, you know, orchestral musician? <laughs> After all this work. <laughs> yeah, right, you know? So, right, you know, like my teacher at the time who I was studying with, with the Philadelphia Orchestra, over 200 people would audition with him for a year, and he would only select two. I mean, we're talking throughout the world, right? So the fact that I was getting this information and I'm probably going to leave, uh, I'm not going to end up doing ultimately what I'm majoring in, school was very, you know, disconcerting, very disheartening, very confusing, right? And uh, he told me that ultimately, uh, I would be doing a line of work where, uh, you know, I, now he didn't quite use these words, but the type of line of work I would be doing would have a transpersonal quality to it. And was it mm -hmm. right? And that's interesting, because later on in my development, I got into transpersonal psychology, and transpersonal mundane archetypal astrology, which is based on the transpersonal concept uh, that was developed around the time in the late 60s uh, with trans the inception of transpersonal uh, psychology with Stanislav Grof and, and the Esselin mm -hmm. movement yeah. and, and, and um, Richard Tarnas. So <clears throat> again, he was seeing things that were 20, 25 years down the line in that 1986 reading. Wow. Now, of course, I didn't know that. I just thought that just doesn't make sense. I'm gonna, right. I certainly finished. I graduated. I, I had a music career for a short time uh, playing in New York City, playing. Uh, I was playing uh, Broadway, off-Broadway. I was playing in... Uh, chamber groups, summer stock, and I was auditioning, uh, you know, and I was also auditioning for competitions and doing very well with that. But it never quite got to the point where, you know, I was sitting in a world-class symphony orchestra. I mean, I've, I got 
you know, was almost, but no cigar. And it had nothing to do right. really with talent. It was a series of things that happened uh, where my interests started diverging because I got more and more interested in astrology. And that was the interesting thing about it. As I got deeper into the music, pursuing music, classical music in New York City, after I graduated, I also took a more serious interest in astrology. And at the time, computers were coming up. PC computers, if you remember, were not, not everybody yes. had one, right? So I had a friend of mine uh, who's still very much part of my life. Another friend insists that you need to get a computer. You need to get a computer because if you get a computer, you, can, you don't have to spend four hours prepping for a chart. I had, to, I had like five books and I had all this math to do. And it take me a good half hour, 40 minutes just to derive the chart. Then I had to determine the progressions, the transits for the year. So it took like four to six hours to prep for an analysis for a reading. Right. And so my friend who was into computers at the time insisted that I get a computer. He helped me get a computer. And that really revolutionized my ability to do astrology. And very shortly thereafter, um, uh, through a set of interesting, synchronistic, serendipitous set of events, uh, <laughs> I got chosen to represent a company called the Astrological Institute of Research to go out to San Francisco and promote and show off their software. And the owner of that company was so happy with the amount of sales that I procured at that conference. He said to me, listen, if you get, if you get into computer science, you go to school, get a degree in it, you'll, I'll definitely hire you to write the software for this, for astrological, you know, for um, write the astrological software and interesting yeah yeah and this software what we were doing here was not just simply horoscope charts but actually uh financial astrology mundane or world astrology uh synastry real real in-depth what they call black box forecasting and systems the way um approaching astrology the way technical analysis of financial analysis or even how um we see war models or modeling, any type of particular modeling where we could model, right? If we know where the planets are going to be and we know what the planets are measuring, we could actually model uh, with a great degree of accuracy. We can get a good concept of where the economy will be, where the world markets will be, where uh, the geopolitics, geopolitics will be, which party will likely be in power, uh, uh, you know, a whole host and array of things where we can take all right. of this data that we have, all the cyclic data, and lay, overlay it with astrology. So, that's, so that really got me motivated. And I went back to school at the age of 30, not an easy thing to do, and got a degree in computer science at um, Hofstra University. And by the mid 90s, um, I ended up splitting my time between doing astrology and transitioning, becoming a full-time infrastructure engineer consultant in New York City, setting up computer systems while doing astrology and then beginning to, you know, uh, build a international practice. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, what's interesting about that? I always think of musicians i always think of musicians being mathematicians too even though they're not maybe they're not a mathematician i always kind of interweave astrology mathematicians um musicians 
And of course, computer science would come in there too. Uh So it's interesting that it all, you know, all kind kind of came to play. So now I know that um, you, first of all, how does the astrology, how does it work? Well, you know, astrology is based on a tenet of the hermetic axiom from the Emerald Tablet. That which is below is like that which is above and that which is above is like that which is below to do the miracle of the one and of the one thing and meaning really that axiom means that we live in a cosmos that is pervasively informed and integrated through the active presence of an invisible ordering principle that operates throughout the underlying matrix of all creation And this invisible ordering principle of the cosmos is at once mathematical and archetypal in manifestation. So based on that concept, right, that's supported by the um, hermetic axiom, right, it supports the explanation of correspondences between the celestial bodies and human affairs, human existence. And, and, uh, but it also, uh, in many respects, informs us that there is a creative intelligence that shapes and informs the cosmos that is pervasive, that is actually pervasive, or there's a pervasive set of patterns of meaning in order at every level and dimension of existence. And this existence, this, this, this invisible ordering principle of the cosmos is symbolically represented through astrology. Interesting. Segwaying now to the younger generation and how astrology um, could help them. I remember you suggesting that it would be really great for my 20-year-old daughter to have an astrological reading. And I think that's how old you were when you had your first one. Mm-hmm. So can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think today it's really extremely helpful because many of the professions that have been around since the postmodern era, 1947 onward, are... Um, on the verge of becoming obsolete, right? So yeah. uh, many of the degree programs where uh, people spent, you know, went into $100,000 debt to get a bachelor's and master's degree will not apply to the type of world we are rapidly moving in. So that there's one element where I do a lot of work with younger people to get them um, a better, a clearer career path because most people, born since 1945 on will have three careers, not one career, but three careers during the course of their life. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is a lot of people, a lot of younger people are putting off marriage uh, for good reasons, right? Um, because it's there because uh, people are living a lot longer, right? So um, they're still trying to find their way before they can determine what they want or what they're seeking in a relationship. Uh, I think um, finding, so it's really getting them on the path, getting them on a path where they can know. um, The idea here, here is to give them enough intimations of what the astrology is telling them in terms of what what's, what their path in life is uh, based on their soul's code and calling. Yes. And can you explain 
the soul's code of calling. Yeah, the soul's code and calling is a soul contract that we all agree to prior to any incarnation we have on earth. And it includes not only the key periods where we'll have certain meetings, certain developments, certain impulses and interests, interest will be activates, but it also includes our challenges, our setbacks, our tragedies, right? It includes all those things that, that we would find it from, from the perspective of, of our ego here on earth. Why would we agree to something like this? Why would it agree to marry someone to only divorce them 14 years later, right? In a, in a contentious divorce suit, right? You know, that just doesn't make sense. But from the sense of the soul, right? From the sense of the soul where people need to learn lessons, this is a place where, you know, this is a place of high intensity uh, life training, <laughs> yes, right? Schooling. It makes yes. sense. So I try and give people, you know, one of the things I do for a lot of my midlife clients is I go through a life review and I go through the major chapters and I say, yeah, you know, major developments did occur between 1992 and 94 in regards to my career. And uh, that's when I met my fiance, you were, you know, I mentioned, and all these things happened, right? And, and then I say, did you get divorced in, in 2007? Did you have a divorce? Did you have a falling out? Yes, I did. And I said, why? Was that like, was that planned all along? And from the standpoint of what the soul's code in calling is showing based on the chart, the answer is yes. So certain things in life, no matter what you would have done, you needed to go through that event and for the learning lessons that needed to be integrated into the soul for reasons, you know, for, for reasons that go a little bit beyond how we like to frame things. So based on our, our, um, our modern concepts of, you know, so it sort of goes very contrary. Sometimes what we see uh, is certain things in our life go a little go somewhat contrary to what our intentions are. Right. So, do you feel that um, is 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 it the so, um, code soul's code in calling or of calling and calling? Right. So, do you do you in your readings? I know you did this some for me. Project what's going to happen in the future. For individuals? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we can get a good idea of what's happened in the past, right? And say, well, when these alignments or when these zodiacal releasing periods or these progressions, et cetera, were active, then within the context of where you're at now with your life and the world we live in now, projecting several years ahead, we can project, you know, somewhat even a decade ahead, we can say, certain things with a high degree, well, in my opinion, with a high degree of certainty. Right. Well, you must have seen this happen over and over again, because you're so involved in this work, and you've been doing it for so long. Yeah, I mean, I've seen enough. I've done like 6,000 readings at this point, And <laughs> yeah. my clientele spans almost the whole, actually the whole planet, with the exception of Antarctica. I've done readings for people in Asia, Africa, this former Soviet Union, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, South America, Central America, you know, you name it. And, and particularly Japan, uh, where I had a very large clientele for many, many years. Why do you think that is? Well, I think the Japanese uh, are much more open. They don't have an issue with Western religion 
and the concept of fate and destiny and invisible uh, and an invisible ordering principle that sort of like shapes right. that. They don't have a problem. Like here in the West, people feel like, well, you know, I have to sort of discount my religious upbringing if I'm going to buy into this reincarnation thing or life between life or remote viewing. Because uh, if I do, right, if to make that leap means that I just can't go to church and accept everything the minister says. Uh. As verbatim, as 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 um, as the word of God, right? As as final, right. and this is the big problem we see because uh, it's a big problem here, and it cre- it created a, it creates a big schism. Mm-hmm. Right. So, what have been your greatest lessons from doing all of this astrological work? What what is what's just kind of I don't know about blowing your mind, but you know that just keeps coming back. And every time you're, you're a bit not surprised, but like, wow, this really does, this really does work. How have you changed? Um, you know, I'm pretty much the same guy that you would yeah. have met a little bit better behaved, a little less rambunctious, <laughs> uh, slightly, not too much different. Um, I pretty much speak my mind, which has gotten me in trouble. Uh, but I'm pretty much the same person. That being said, though, in terms of personality, people who I've met 20, 30 years later since high school and college say, I feel like nothing's changed since we talked in the lunchroom, you know? Uh, <laughs> but that being said, I have a level of understanding and depth that far exceeds that 24 year old kid, right? So, yeah. So, now, I'm trying to sort of encapsulate this in a way I, we could put in a podcast without making this a whole, you know, two-hour presentation of how it shifted me. But I, but I can say that it shifted my beliefs about what is so, what is so. And I've realized that most of everything I've learned, and I wouldn't even include music in that and you know, the liberal arts, almost everything I learned from academic institutions, uh, from school, uh, is completely wrong. Like completely wrong. Not, you know, like not, not, you know, the, the, like the, the deeper I got into things, the more I realized that the basic axiom and postulates that I was taught, right. Don't work. And that's right. So, you know, it's like Robert Kiyosaki says, rich dad, poor dad, right? He said, everything right. you learn in school about finance, everything you learn about investing, right, does not work, does not work at all, right? So what does work? Well, that's the thing. What does work? So you have to take that journey into self-discovery. It's part of your journey, yes. that journey you take into self-discovery to find out what works, what works for you, and to accept the constraints of the reality system that we live in. And more importantly, to also look at the possibilities that we've never considered before, meaning that we have a lot of free will. I'll give you a couple of things. We have a lot of free will, right? But we don't execute it very much. Yes. Okay. I mean, how many people really go to the gym and do a really high intensity workout for 30 minutes at 80% of their capacity, three times a week. How many? What percentage do you think? Oh, probably 10, 15. Right. 
15 max, right? So 10 to 15% <laughs> of people are truly in shape, look good, have a great physiology because, right? They're executing free will at the highest level for that 30, 40 minute period, three right, times right. a week in a gym, right? So that's an example of free will. That's just a very clear cut. And so just apply that to everything else in everybody's life, right? So people mm -hmm. have a lot of free will, but very few people are executing it. Many right. people have tremendous assets, talents, and capabilities that's shown in the horoscope, right? But most people are executing about 15% of their capacity based on what I see in their wow. horoscope. There's a big, there's a big um, chasm between what they're demonstrating and doing and how they're thinking and where they're at with their life versus what is promised in the horoscope. Mm -hmm. A lot of that has to do with what they bought into consciously and unconsciously, the environment, their parenting, and more, most importantly, right? I'm not going to blame parenting here as much, the schooling, the education, right? The education yeah. they received. And so they bought into that hook, line, and sinker. And as a result, they, they accepted disempowering beliefs that obstructed, obstructed or delayed or arrested their ability to self-actualize. And that's why they hit 45 years old. They're miserable and they're, they're, they're doing all sorts of things to cope. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's so sad. You know, we've got to, we've got to change, change this world to bring a little bit more happiness and joy and love in some manner. You can't have that happiness unless you're making progress. Progress right. is equal to happiness. And happiness yes. is a work in progress. It's not something you just achieve and have. And you, it's yeah. something, right? Because what's made you happy at 25 is not going to cut it when you're 35, 45, right? right? It always changes. Yeah. So we have to keep evolving. We have to keep upping our game. We have to, we have to expand our worldview. We have to, and we go through periods where we ra radically revise that worldview or we stay stuck in that worldview and become a dinosaur. Yes. Right? And I see, a, I, unfortunately, I think there is a lot of that. So William, we need to wrap it up, sure. but I do have another question. Um, so what, what has astrology taught you about, or not taught you, but what do you know now about what happens after we leave this earthly realm and the afterlife? Yeah, I mean, based on my experience doing L, uh, deep LBO, a life between life, hypnotherapy, combined with my understanding of the broader metaphysics of astrology and the creation matrix is that we are beings that come from a primary domain in a realm eternal and that we are sent on specific missions and have a specific soul contract. When we pass at the end of this life, we go in through a review with the council of elders. And mm -hmm. uh, we have a time where we go through training right? When we decide to do that for our next incarnation. And that's not necessarily on this planet, by the way. Yeah. Right. So this planet, it seems to be a place where if you really want tremendous high intensity growth in a short period of time, you will incarnate on planet earth. This is one of the toughest places. This is a, this is like, um, Navy SEALs training, where you have a 60% dropout rate in the first two days in Navy SEALs training, right. right? 
So this is like the Navy SEALs training boot camp for souls. So everybody who's here chose to be here because they wanted to grow. Wow, beautifully said. Well, William, if someone wants to find you, and I really encourage people to, to have a reading with, with you because it's amazing. <laughs> Hugely professional and just just amazing. So how do they find you? Well, there's a couple of ways. They can certainly find me on my website, williamstickevers.com. And I have a membership group where I do video presentations. I have an Ask Me Anything hour. I do this uh, oh, great. several times a month. And it's also got jam-packed on it articles, predictions, forecasts, very visual. I cover wow. economics. I cover political. I cover personal transformation stuff. Uh, it's really geared right now. It's called Global Transformation Astrology, williamstickevers.com. So it's gta.williamstickevers.com. And what they can do is if they, you know, if they're not ready for a reading yet, they can get an idea of what's happening real time because it's all about this transformation and getting them prepared, giving them a pathway, an action plan to be part of this transition and to protect themselves because we're just, we're, we're still in a honeymoon period of this transformation. The rub is going to hit the road in a very real way starting this fall and people need to take action now. Right, right. Well, thank you, William. I so appreciate your your words and your work, and you cer certainly are are making a difference. And you stay safe and have have a great day. You too, Marla. It was a pleasure being on your show. Thanks again. Thank you. Uh -huh. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.